WXDX FM, Pittsburgh. I'm enjoying the various NFL cheerleader lawsuits. The cheerleaders feel they're underpaid and treated badly. The Washington cheerleaders were allegedly pimped out to big-time sponsors, at least metaphorically. No sex was required, but uh, show up looking hot and kind of rub up against these creepy old men. And in Houston, a cheerleader claims her excess weight was hidden by using duct tape because she was chunky. They taped some of that fat down. The cheerleader should not have acquiesced to that. She should have quit right then and there. You make very little. It's a demeaning job, obviously. But this woman chose to not quit. And that's what she chose of her own free will. So she should lose some weight. I understand trying to eliminate sexism and getting rid of any kind of abuse in the workplace. But some jobs are based on looks, on being beautiful with a hot body. You got varying degrees. Hooters girl, NFL cheerleader, runway model, sportscaster. Aaron Andrews ain't exactly Walter Cronkite. For these jobs, you gotta look good. That's reality. You can't change reality. No one wants to see a fat, ugly girl being a cheerleader. Or Hooters. Maybe there shouldn't be places like that. Or cheerleaders. But since there are, conform to the standards of the job or get another job. When a woman chooses to become a cheerleader, and this includes high school, she is objectifying herself. You shouldn't be pimped and you shouldn't be duct taped. But you should be hot because that's the gig. And if you don't like the job, quit. Does anybody disagree with that? I don't see how you could. Sick Again brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. Jesse Marshall, our friend from TheAthletic.com, just tweeted, Portugal versus Uruguay in the first elimination match is what life is made of. Yep, sure is. Two great teams. Uh, Each team has one of the best players in football. Luis Suarez on Uruguay and Cristiano Ronaldo on Portugal. That will be what World Cup football is all about. Uh, Getting back to the cheerleader lawsuit thing. And does anybody disagree with that? I don't see how you could, but if you do, dial 412-333-WXDX. When you become a cheerleader, you objectify yourself. If you're a high school girl becoming a cheerleader, if you don't want to be objectified, don't do it. And that's time poorly spent anyway. Why would you want to stand there like a dunce on the sideline in a short skirt with pom-poms cheering? You'd have a better time in the stands with your friends. Then again, it's all about popularity in high school and in college and in adulthood, which is why they have professional NFL cheerleaders. Uh, but uh, this is this this thing with talking as if cheerleaders shouldn't have to be hot, like that they can have fat that isn't duct taped down. That's like having Miss America without a swimsuit competition, which they're going to do. It's not Miss America anymore. It's junior high quiz with Ricky Wirtz. Uh, what if a man, 
And I know we don't like to do anything that benefits a man. But what if a man sued the NFL after he got cut and said, I wasn't big enough, strong enough, or good enough, but that's not fair. I shouldn't have to be. Well, that's ridiculous, and it's exactly the same as ugly people or fat people that want a job that's based on looks or body type. I say again, and it makes me sad. Well, Hooters in Pittsburgh, the, the Monroeville one and the Station Square one, they went out of business due to mismanagement. Now, I don't know why the two tilted kilts went out of business in Pittsburgh, but if I had to venture a guess, there was like one good-looking woman that worked where that worked there between the two locations. That was our friend Corey Valentine, who used to come on the show. The rest were a bunch of tattooed uggos, and I don't care who hears me say it. And if that's your policy to hire anyone who walks through the door to work at a restaurant that bills hot girls as waitresses, you go ahead and do that, but you might wind up closing your doors. Tattooed uggos. That's what I saw. I think I should have worked as a Hooters girl. What, just because I'm a man and fat? That shouldn't preclude me. That's not fair. Uh, the ESPN The Body magazine is out, and Charlotte is in it. Uh, Charlotte Flair, Rick's daughter from WWE, and she's naked. She looks the part. I mean, what an athlete, but she's naked. And Charlotte's family to me, so... Well, it's great that Charlotte's in there. I'd rather see, say, Carmella of WWE naked. Remember when WWE used to have a girl naked in a Playboy every year and then they'd fire her? Once you were in Playboy, your usefulness was done. You'd appear in Playboy and you'd get fired not long after. It was like clockwork. Uh, I saw Randy Backman last night in Cleveland. Ex of the Guess Who and Backman Turner Overdrive. He was great. 74 years old, still brilliant. And there are many guys with better songbooks than Randy Bachman. Uh, and it is pronounced Bachman. Most people say Bachman. He pronounces it Bachman. So it's Bachman. Uh, very different types of songs in Bachman's uh, repertoire. Compare Undone, which is very jazzy, to American Woman, which is a lot heavier, to Taking Care of Business, which is kind of that... Barrow House Piano, Chuck Berry type thing. Uh, a wide range. I got some Randy Backman videos posted on the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. And don't forget, Foreigner, White Snake, and Jason Bottoms, Led Zeppelin Evening are at Key Bank Pavilion on Wednesday. Going to have Reb Beach on the show on Wednesday. Uh, I really liked seeing Randy Backman last night. On the school bus in junior high, BTO was king. The absolute king. Backman-Turner Overdrive was king. Uh, one of the videos that got posted, this is great. It's it's Backman and Turner. For some reason, they couldn't use the overdrive part because another member of the band uh, put pay to that. But they were performing as Backman and Turner at halftime of the Grey Cup, the CFL championship game in Canada because, you know, they're they're both from Winnipeg, Randy Backman and, and Fred Turner. Uh, as is Burton Cummings, the uh, founding member of the Guess Who, along with Randy Backman. And uh, I enjoyed watching that video more than any Super Bowl halftime show I've seen since the Rolling Stones. BTO. 
Super Bowl coming up. Get her done, NFL. Get her done. Uh, there's a great story from uh, Batman would tell a story before every song. And people my age are going to remember the song Taking Care of Business. Taking care of business every day. Great song. Number one hit. Randy Bachman had that sitting around for like 10 years. He had wrote it while he was with the Guess Who. And the chorus was bad. He wanted to call it White Collar Worker. It was like a, a takeoff on paperback writer by the Beatles. And the chorus was going to be White Collar Worker. Like, you know, like paperback writer. And uh, it sucked. So in, in BTO, they resurrected it. You know, did the chorus, taking care of business. And when they recorded it, Nobody ever thought it was going to be a hit, so they're working in the studio, and the guy comes to deliver pizza. And the guy goes, boy, that's a great song. And, and, and Backman says, thanks. He goes, but it could use piano. And Randy Backman says, well, what are you talking about? You're the pizza guy. He goes, well, yeah, but I was trained in piano. I think that could use piano. Could I take a stab at it? And Randy Backman says, okay, go ahead, like just to get rid of the guy, right? So the guy lays down the piano, it's on the track, and they just thought it was a throwaway song. Then, like, the next day, the record company executive comes in and listens to some of the songs, and they play Taking Care of Business. He goes, my God, this is the number one hit. That piano is unbelievable. It sets you apart from, 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 from some of the stuff you've done before with the Guess Who did, although Burton Cummings played a lot of piano for the Guess Who. But, but so the record exec goes, who played the piano? And Randy Batman goes, uh... It was the pizza guy. And they go, what, what, do you, what do you mean? The exec goes, what do you mean the pizza guy? And he and Randy Bachman tells him the story. So in order to use that piano, they have to find the guy and get him to give permission. So they call every pizza shop. They were in Seattle recording. Call every pizza shop till they find the, the guy looked like Fidel Castro. And they called all these pizza places and said, do you have a pizza delivery guy that looks like Fidel Castro? Finally, they find him. And they go, well, can you send him over? And the guy goes, well, what do you want? He goes, well, we don't need a pizza. We just need this guy because he played piano on our record. And the guy goes, well, we're not sending him over there unless you order something. Stuff like that's great. I, I, I know I probably lost half my audience telling that story just now, but I enjoy telling that story more than I've enjoyed talking about anything involving sports today. I'll be honest. I don't keep this much of a secret. I enjoy that 70s, 80s music, stuff like that, so much more than I enjoy sports right now. So much more, except if it's the stuff I root for, like the Penguins and, and Liverpool. But other than that, that music, like I had such a great time last night in Cleveland. 412-333-9939. Don't forget, we have Paul Steigerwald at the bottom of the hour, and I'm going to reset here. They signed Simone and Sprong, restricted free agent, got two-year deals. They're cheap. And by the way, that's one reason to, to try to get them in the lineup. I'm not a Sprong fan. Well, I am a Sprong fan. Pardon me. I'm not a Simone fan. But, you know, if you can get those guys in regular spots, you're only paying them 750 k a year, that's how you win. And that's how they have one. You need contributors on entry-level contracts or cheap second contracts. So where do you see Simone and Sprong fitting in? And of the rumored guys they might get, Skinner, Johnston, Kunitz, which one would you be most excited about acquiring, given, of course, the cost involved in bringing any of them in? I'm Mark Madden, 105.9X. And 
now the super genius, Mark Madden. All hail Finn, all hail Mark Madden. I think that says a lot about my integrity. I love it. I think it's great. Achtung, baby. The X at 105.9. Here's an interesting development with the Washington Capitals. And boy, there's been a lot of news breaking with that team. They win the cup, trots leaves, Carlson stays, eight-year deal worth $64 million. And now the news breaks that the Capitals have not given a qualifying offer to restricted free agent Devontae Smith-Pelly, who scored seven playoff goals, including a number of big ones. You know what the speculation is, don't you? That the Capitals cut him loose because he said he would not go to the White House if they won the Cup. and was critical of the Trump White House. I'm not saying he's wrong to be critical of the Trump White House, but uh, maybe that wasn't the hill he should have wanted to die on. Because I don't see why else they'd let him go. Now, it'll be a blessing, not a curse to Pelly, because he's going to get a lot of money in unrestricted free agency after seven playoff goals. But I would think that's why he's on the way out of Washington, because of that quote. This is amusing. Remember Luke Getze? Steel Valley quarterback, played at Pitt, couldn't cut the mustard, transferred someplace else. He's now a coach of some repute. He was at Pitt for a while as a coach. And now he's the offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach at Mississippi State University. Was the wideouts coach with the Green Bay Packers for a bit. And he tweets, for all the people that want to end tackle football for young kids, make sure you're fighting to get rid of heading a soccer ball too. Stop trying to bring down American football. Hey, idiot. Nobody's trying to bring it down. They're trying to make it safer. Just because it's your life from birth till death doesn't mean that other people see it that way. And making it safer is the proper thing to do. You can train to play football without tackling at a young age. But heading a ball is soccer 101. And it's not nearly as damaging as a head-to-head hit in football. It just isn't. You football people, you're awful sensitive about your game these days, maybe because people are starting to get tired of it and starting to get tired of the people playing it and starting to get tired of the arrogant attitude that people like this Jamoke Luke Getze have. That's why it's dying. That's exactly why people are losing interest. Yeah, the flag thing, yeah, the type of athlete, the way they act. It just, it just you know, things run their course in American culture. Maybe tackle football is running its course. Hey, you don't think it can happen? I remember when I was a kid in the 60s. Football was big in high school, big in college, not real big in the pros. The three big sports in the 60s were baseball, boxing, and horse racing. And football didn't even remotely figure in. But then Joe Willie Namath guaranteed victory in Super Bowl three, the two leagues merged, football became huge on TV, it was absolutely a perfect storm. People wonder why Joe Namath, uh, Beaver Falls of course, why he made the Hall of Fame. Because his stats weren't great, and you know his career was not shortened because he kept playing because he wanted to make money, but certainly affected negatively by bad knee injuries. But that guaranteed win at the time of the merger made pro football the biggest game in America. 
in pretty short order. If only for that name, it deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, and really for so much more. I saw the guy play. He was unbelievable. Joe Namath in his prime was as good as any quarterback ever. His prime just got crippled by injuries. 412-333-9939. Let's go to Rob in the car. Rob, you're on with Mark. How you doing this afternoon, Mr. Madden? Great. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. I'd like you to talk about the cheerleader situation in the NFL. I don't know how many cheerleaders there are. How many uh, teams have them? Uh, the Steelers don't. The Steelers do not. I think a majority of teams have them, but I'm not sure of the number. Well, couldn't they unionize? I mean, the players. The i got to be honest. If I owned an NFL team and the cheerleaders tried to unionize, I just wouldn't have cheerleaders. Okay, so they're just a sideshow hoping that on a resume that it opens up other doors for them. I don't know what other doors that it could possibly open up on a cheerleader's resume. I think it's a waste of time. I think it's sexist. I think it's objectifying women. But the women who play along with it, I don't want to say they're getting what they deserve because nobody deserves some of the things you're reading about that are involved in this lawsuit. But, uh, but you know, when you when you agree to take a job dependent on looks, that's a slippery slope if your looks start to fade. Thank you for the call. Uh, six NFL teams don't have cheerleaders, six of the 32, and one of those without is your Pittsburgh Steelers. People who live their life based on looks, again, it's a slippery slope. Look at Heather Locklear. She's in a nut house now, to use a technical term, and she beat up her parents. Her whole life was based on looks, and now she doesn't have them. She dated Richie Sambor and Tommy Lee, married both of them. Now she's dating some ordinary Jamoke, and she beats him up too. You know why? Because her whole life was based on looks. Now she doesn't have looks and doesn't know what to do. Let's go to Kevin in the van. Kevin, you're on with Double M. Hey, I don't even know why I listen to the, to the show, honestly, because I don't listen to sports or have anything to do with sports, but... I'll agree with the uh, with the whole cheerleader thing, and your story about the pizza guy was awesome. It kept me interested, only because I delivered pizzas for 15 years, and nothing like that has ever happened. You know what I'm saying? What's funny? You know how I got this job? I worked for a pharmacy, uh-huh. and I was delivering condoms to Randy Bauman. <laughs> And he said, boy, you have a good voice. Try the radio. And I did. And here we are 22 glorious years later. Thank you for the call. You get up every morning to the alarm clocks, want to take the 8.15 into the city. It was commented last night that I do look a bit like Randy Bachman. I think I look more like him than I do Bob Seger. Up next, the hockey talk keeps coming with Paul Steigerwald. 105.9 X. This is Sidney Crosby of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 The X. Somebody tweeted that U.S. soccer does not allow kids to head the ball until they're 13. No wonder the U.S. missed out on the World Cup. Joining me now, he is a legend on radio and on TV, a big part of Penguins history, and still going strongly. Welcome to the program, Paul Steiger. Well, Staggy. Are you surprised Jim Rutherford didn't make a deal at the draft? There weren't many deals made, period, actually. You know, it's been, uh, I've noticed for the last couple of years, it seems like the draft has become the draft. In other words, 
GMs don't like to have uh, the distractions of trade, like kind of messing up the whole process of actually picking their players. And it seems like with the influx of good young hockey players every year into the league and the, and the way that young players now can come in and make an impact pretty quickly, it seems like teams really want to hang on to their picks. So if they're hanging on to their picks, they're not making many deals. And if they're not making many deals, then, you know, the fans don't find it quite as interesting. But uh, obviously, a couple of years from now, they'll be happy in many cases that their team decided to make the pick and keep the opportunity to get a good young player for their organization. What do the Penguins need to get this offseason? Because I don't think they need a name player per se. I just think they could use more speed, a fresh injection, maybe finally go out and get Michael Grabner. Grabner would be nice. Uh, he's listed as a right winger, so that could be an issue because the Penguins have so many of them. That doesn't mean he couldn't play the left side. I, I really don't know how much he's done uh, as a left winger in the league. But, you know, he, you know, if, if Haglin, uh, if they have to part ways with him because he's going to be an unrestricted free agent and he makes $4 million, you know, then Grabner would seem to be a nice uh, replacement for Haglin, if you will. Uh, I just don't know if that might be too complicated that the Penguins, you know, are going to have to, you know, first of all, part with one guy to get another. And, uh, again, the fact that he doesn't play the left side could be an issue. But I, I really do. I think everybody likes what Michael Gradrick could possibly bring to the team. Let's go over some rumors. Does Jeff Skinner strike you as a good fit? The Penguins are supposedly talking to Carolina about him. Or is he more of the same and kind of small? He's definitely small. Uh, he's had concussion issues. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with the assessments I've been reading about him as being particularly speedy. I don't know how fast he is. I, he's, a, he's a phenomenal skater. You know, he was a champion figure skater, so he has like amazing edge control. He can do phenomenal things on his skates. I, I know what you mean, Staggy. He's quick and yeah. he's agile, but he's not a, a great straight-ahead speed burner. Absolutely. Um, but he's very skilled and he can put the puck in the net. So, you know, you put him with a guy like Sid, he's going to, he's going to finish. He's going to score goals. So he could be a very productive guy. He's never played with anybody the caliber of Sidney Crosby or of Denny Malkin. So imagine, uh, him playing with one of those two guys. He would be pretty prolific, I think. Uh, so he would be a nice addition because the Penguins, I think, need help on the left side. Uh, but again, as you said, he's small and the Penguins have a lot of small forwards. And I, I don't know. Uh, if, if, if they should be adding more of them. Um, you talked about speed. I'm concerned about the Penguins losing some of that identity as a fast team if they're going to part with a guy like Carl Haglund because they, you know, they, they don't want to lose him for nothing at the end of the year. And, you know, I'm reading these rumors about Brian Rust being involved in, you know, deals. I mean, I think the Penguins have to be sure and careful to maintain their identity as a fast team. And in particular, because, Mark, so many other teams are following the Penguins in terms of wanting to play a faster game and play with a lot of speed. So teams are catching up with Pittsburgh in that department. They had that competitive advantage of speed for a couple of years there, but I don't think that competitive advantage is there quite as much now as uh, other teams have added speed to their lineups. Well, I agree. I don't want to trade Haglin or Rust for the reason you cite. I, I think when you have a fast team, you need pace cars, guys who set the tempo, and I think those guys do that. Now, does resigning Chris Kunitz interest you? That name's been floating out there now that he's uh, not going to be with Tampa next year. Penguins lost a lot of character guys, you know, from last year to this past season, and I think Chris Kunitz was one of them. Uh, you know, you can't replace Kunitz, Benino, Cullen, and Flurry, and the guys they lost, but you can you can get one of them back, and Chris Kunitz. And I think 
because of what he's meant to the franchise here in Pittsburgh and how much he's respected in that locker room and the fact that even though he is now probably a fourth-line player, uh, he's a guy who can still play a straight-ahead game. He can agitate goaltenders. Uh, you saw him in the playoffs when things got a little physical. Kunis dialed it up a notch. He, he was the one guy who was kind of answering the bell in that regard. I think he would have done a good job of that for the Penguins this year in the playoffs when they needed it. So he, he can still bring that. So, yes, I, I think if you can get him at the right price, it would be very good to bring a guy with that kind of leadership back to the locker room. Here's my problem, Stag, and everything you say is true. I like Kunitz as a fourth-liner, period. I think the price would be right. But he's Sid's whoopee, his security blanket. Every time Sid had a bad game, he'd want Kunitz on his line, and I think it would be the same way if he came back. I think that's only a problem if he can't play there. But, you know, the fact is that uh, the one thing about Kunitz is that he, he does have that ability to every now and then step into a more prominent role and score a big goal for you. Uh you know, I don't know how much he's faded in, in the years since he's left Pittsburgh in terms of his, you know, the speed or his, his effectiveness as a, as a goal scorer, because obviously he was a big-time goal scorer for a few years there, but he, he's not that anymore. So, yeah, I, I understand your concern there. I don't think that would be as big an issue with his return because I think he has to realize that he has to take on a, a less prominent role as uh, he's getting into the final years of his career. Well, I'm not worried about what he realizes. I'm worried about what Sid <laughs> might or no, might I, not realize. I hear you, but Sid doesn't decide who plays with him. I don't think he oh, does. Oh, really? <laughs> now, now, almost in that vein, Stag, what about Jack Johnson, Sid's friend? He's intriguing at the right price and in the right role, isn't he? He is, but there's a guy I'd rather have, but I'll tell you his name. And you probably haven't heard this name, but he's a free agent defenseman who was with Dallas and Montreal. He's a right shot, and his name is Greg Patteron. And I'll take him right now on my team. He plays physical. He's tall. He's 6'3", 225. If you watch the game between Pittsburgh and Dallas this year, uh, he was a force, uh, which tells me something because he's going up against a team with a lot of skill and players that he knew he had to play physically against. And he's real hard to play against. He's not gifted offensively, but he'd make a real good third-pair defenseman. He's a right shot, too. He would look real good with J.B. Alexiak. That's the guy I would go after. I'm not saying the Penguins have any interest in him, but I love the guy, Greg Patter, and he really brought himself up to another level last year. He started the season wearing a suit. By the end of the year, he had played 73 consecutive games, and Jamie Alexiak is very familiar with him because he played with him for a while in Dallas. But uh, I don't know what kind of interest he'll draw from the Penguins, but I know he'll sign with somebody. We're talking to Paul Steigerwald here on the home of the Penguins, 105.9. Stag, people think the Penguins need a defenseman, and maybe they do, but I love the Penguins' top four. They need a bottom pair guy, period, but I'm very comfortable with Latang, Dumoulin, Mata, and Schultz as the clear-cut top four. I agree with you, Mark. And, uh, you know, it was interesting during the course of the playoffs that only Mata actually uh, gave way a bit to Jamie Alexiak, who seemed to move up in the food chain uh, a bit in that uh, series against Washington. Uh, so that's encouraging, not necessarily from a modest standpoint, but I don't have any problem with Bowie Mata. I, mean, I think he's only going to get better. But it was good to see Jamie Alexiak kind of respond to the fact that he wasn't getting a lot of ice time uh, for a while there. He, I remember one game he only got 49 seconds of penalty-killing time in the hockey game, and that's kind of surprising. So, I, But he did seem to graduate as, as, as things went on, and I think that's a good sign. I think there's still some upside in Jamie Alexiak that the Penguins are going to benefit from here going forward. Who's the most likely Penguin to get traded? I would say Derek Broussard because 
he just isn't a good fit so far. He's a top six center in a bottom six role and just never seemed comfortable. Well, you know, one of the reasons why Jim Rutherford doesn't like to make trades right at the deadline, he has said so, is that he thinks sometimes it is difficult for players to fit right in with teams uh, when they first get there. So a lot of times you don't see a player really kind of find his way with a new team until the following season after he's acquired at the trading deadline. So I think the jury is really, really out on Eric Broussard. But I do agree with you on the one sense that I don't think he's necessarily cut out for a third-line role. I think he's more of a second-line center. And you, know, you think of a third-line center as being a two-way guy, a guy who wins more face-offs than he loses, a guy who you know can, can really kind of check to the opposition's top players if he has to, uh, give you a little bit of jam, kill some penalties, block shots, you know, like a Nick Benino type. Uh, and I don't think Broussard necessarily fits, but Broussard is a guy, obviously, who has a lot of offensive skill. And if you're going to play him with Phil Kessel and really take a good long look at, at, at you know playing him on a third line that also has at least one winger on that line that could score, then he could be a good fit in that regard. But, I, but I'm with you, Mark. I think he's a guy that you could probably get something for, but then, again, the Penguins are just still going to have to go looking for a center iceman, and that might not be as easy uh easier said than done. I mean, there are free agents out there, but Tyler Bozak, for instance, 32 years old, is getting a lot of interest from like 11 different teams. But he, unfortunately, he's 32 years old and he only scored 11 goals. I don't know if he's the answer at this point in his career, even though he did play a lot with Phil Kessel in Toronto. they got to trade Sherry and Hunwick, don't they? I mean, it's just not working out. It seems like Sherry would be the obvious choice. He makes $3 million. Uh, he's expendable in terms of what the Penguins have in their uh, organization right now. So, And he should be able to fetch something, I would think. I like Connor Sherry a lot. I know he's got some ups and downs and long spells where he hasn't scored, but uh, he's a pretty good hockey player. And, you know, hopefully the Penguins, if they're going to go out and get a defenseman, and you know, they have to clear cap space, you know, that they'll find a team that's willing to take Connor Sherry if that's who they want to trade. But I think Hagelin and Sherry are the two most, um, eligible at this point because of their situations, different situations, obviously, but uh, for different reasons, they're guys that the Penguins might have to say goodbye to. Well, I said Hunwick, Stag. What about him? Oh, yeah, Hunwick. Well, you know, he didn't really uh, do what uh, everybody thought he might, and so I don't know what his value is or perceived value around the league. I know here in Pittsburgh, not many people are perceiving his value as being very high, but uh, he may still have a perceived value somewhere else. I just don't know what his market value is and whether or not the, the Penguins can move him. It'll be interesting to see. What's going on with Phil Kessel? I wouldn't trade him, and I would play him with Gino like Phil wants, but Phil's got to be a bit easier to work with, Stoggy. He's very high maintenance. Well, he is, but I don't know that. Uh, I, I think that part of what Phil Kessel is is that you know you almost have to kind of Leave him alone. I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but because every player has to be coached. But, you know, listen, Phil Kessel had 92 points. He was spectacular in the playoffs each of the last two years. For the first 50 games of last season, he was the Penguins' best player. He's an unbelievable hockey player. Like, he's a phenomenal playmaker. I love the way he skates. Like, he was dangling with the puck, making phenomenal plays for the first part of the year. I was even almost a little bit surprised at some of the really fine nuances of his game that I hadn't really appreciated. No, Stoggy, everything year. you say is right, but that doesn't mean he gets to run roughshod and bitch well, and be miserable trying... all the time. Yeah, I don't know that he's like that all the time. He's oh, for a... sure he is. Well, listen, he's a weird dude, okay, but he's a heck of a hockey player, so I guess you have to take the bad with the good. And, and in my 
I, I think in the long run, if he's a problem, if he's not helping you win, if he's detracting from your team concept, if he's hurting you in some way, then that's a, that's one thing. But if he's just a pain in the butt, you know, who just kind of... Oh, no, no, no. I, I, I wouldn't get rid of him. I, I wouldn't. Him having friction with the coach isn't a good enough reason to trade him. But I think he could appreciate what Pittsburgh's done for him a little bit more, too, Stack. Pittsburgh fixed him. Before yeah, Pitt- I read your column. I read your column. You're not wrong. I mean, he was his, his image in the National Hockey League was... At the, the, right at the bottom of the view where, where it could possibly be. He was the fat guy who eats hot dogs. That's what people thought of him. And that was, you know, uh, greatly uh, promulgated by the uh, media in Toronto. And I'm but it doesn't matter. That's what they thought of him. You're right. And, 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 and the, you know, uh, all I just remember what I said on stage in 2016. Bill Kessel is a Stanley Cup champion. You know, and uh, listen, he... He owes a lot to Pittsburgh and owes a lot to the uh, fact that he got here. Jim Rutherford brought him here knowing that he wouldn't have to be the guy, uh, that he'd be somewhat insulated from the media. Uh, he still hates doing interviews. And, by the way, one thing that always kind of intrigued me about the whole Kessel thing with the media is that everybody knows he's a bad interview, and yet everybody always goes to him for quotes. It's just like, why bother? Oh, but Stag, i got to tell you, he was on my show a couple of years ago, the only one-on-one he's done. He was brilliant. I'll bet, you know, because he's sitting on the phone, he's probably just calm and, and talking away, but he doesn't seem to react well to that, you know, scrum situation. And, you know, I, I understand. I mean, he's, not everybody's going to love being in that situation. It can handle it. make him nervous just having everybody standing there staring at him. I don't know. He's a little bit self-conscious, you know, that way. So, okay, it's all right. You know, like, but don't go to him and ask him for questions if he's not going to give you good answers. Like, why put the guy in a position that makes him uncomfortable? I, I never could understand. It's different if he scores a game-winning goal, but you know, it, it, otherwise, I, I would I would probably limit the number of times I felt like it was necessary to put him in that situation. Maggie, you know me. I don't care if any of them talk. I really don't. I know you don't. Now you, uh, you, you now, do enough talking on your own. What do you need? <laughs> that's right. Now, now, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the ones who do. But I don't think it's necessary. Stag, i got to get this in. The big news, the biggest news, is the return of Kingdom Come with Danny <laughs> Stag on guitar, your brother, Jurgles, on October 17. How did this happen? Because I can't wait. Well, James Kotak was really the guy who spearheaded it. You know, they did a, a reunion a few couple of years ago on a cruise, and um, James Kotak wasn't part of it. He's their drummer. He's a phenomenal drummer. After leaving Kingdom Come, he played with Scorpions for years. And he got a, he kind of spearheaded it, and he was smart enough to figure out a way to be able to get the name, even though Lenny Wolf, the lead singer, who was obviously a, a big part of Kingdom Come, and a guy who wrote most of the songs, had decided he didn't want to be a part of it. So they got Keith St. John uh, to be their lead singer, and uh, all the other guys from the band are going to be there. So the band was phenomenal, and Lenny was great, too. Hopefully Keith St. John can hold his own, but I, I think the one thing I would say is that if people like Kingdom Come, they'll still enjoy it them because they could still play and they were a great band when they worked together well staggy i for one cannot wait we'll definitely have dan stag on the show between now and then and obviously you uh many times betwixt and between next hockey season good stuff we'll talk to you soon hey by the way one last thing mark mark Bart- or, um, uh, matt bartkowski keep that name in mind as i know it's a guy you think the penguins should be interested in somebody told me and not in the penguins organization i heard it from somewhere else penguins are taking a look at him Somebody else told me that not in the Penguins organization either, if you get my drift. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Daggy. Yeah, I'd, right. l- I'd love to see Bart come to the Penguins. And you know what? Perfect number seven can play either side. That would be just a terrific hit. And then Mama B could be at all the games. On second thought, Bart, go to Edmonton.
Go to China. Up next, talk to Bob McLaughlin, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Go ahead, you can say it because it's true. It's damn true. Hey, Mark, love the show. Thank you for making my day. Yeah. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X, joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought you by 84 Lumber. Bob, the pirate lineup is that Sean Rodriguez will not start tonight at New York. I think that's a step in the right direction. I just think it doesn't matter what direction they go in because after losing four straight to Arizona, their season is over. <laughs> well, as far as you know, we know, that doesn't mean he won't play tonight, though. Just because he doesn't start doesn't mean he won't get in there somehow, some way. Well, I know he started the last three games, <laughs> but the game before that, he played seven innings. There you go. Hey, Mark, it, it may sound simple, but I agree with you. I think it's just because Hurdle feels something towards the guy. It's his booby. Uh, he wants him in there somehow, some way. He literally believes that if he gets going, then the clubhouse will respond to it. Uh, I just think that's <laughs> that's an absolute error on his part at this point. Don't you think that uh, the players don't even buy into it now, that they you know have seen him as a good clubhouse guy in the past, but as I said earlier, a guy who stinks can't lead, and they would gladly pack his bags for him, uh, given that he's hitting 145? It'd be tough for them, you know, to really put a lot of faith in him as to what's going on right now and what's been going on with him for the last season and a half. So um, I, I don't know if they would pack his bags just because obviously there's some kind of partnership, friendship, whatever ship you want to call it. Yeah, maybe that's deteriorated after being this bad for this long. It's well, yeah, if it's hurting the club as it is, and if it's that blatantly hurting the club, uh, and the, well, the club's not doing all that great behind him, also. So. Um, he he's part of the problem. No, no, right no. Now. They they stink too. But when you, you when you play a one forty five in or three straight games, I wonder if you're even trying to win. Oh, that it's... that makes that makes a joke of it. And when he bats in the eighth inning yesterday, you're down by three runs. You have a guy on first base, not pinch hitting for him. Makes me wonder if you're even trying to win. No, you're absolutely right. And those questions about trying to win have been there for the last couple of years. It's been verbalized by certain people. And, yeah, some of those people are gone. They're not in the Pirates uniform anymore. But once those questions are out there, Mark, they're very easy to bring back around, especially when you see what's going on right now with him getting all that playing time. Whether it's a start or whether it's you know being subbed or whatever, he should not be part of the Pirates lineup right now. It's just ridiculous. No, Bob, I'll go one step further. They should cut him. I agree with and you. And I can't think what they were thinking when they traded for him after that car accident. When Clint Hurdle said today, well, he probably shouldn't even have played last year after the car accident, you traded for him knowing that. You traded for him after the car accident. What was the point of that when the guy makes $5.75 million? It all goes back to having a relationship off you know, off the ball field. It, it, it goes back to them trying to do the well, right say, thing save to help that for out. Beer, that's not the right thing. Save that for beer league softball. No, I'm not saying that that is the right thing. I'm saying that that's how they feel. And they're absolutely in the wrong for that. That has nothing to do with putting a winning product out there on the field. I think that there are feelings, though, between management or Hurdle and him where they think they're doing a solid you know, like I said, they think that if they can get him going, then everybody's going to follow suit because he's the That's de facto ridiculous. leader. I agree That's with ridiculous. you. It's beyond ridiculous. By the way, Meadows not in the lineup tonight. Their hottest hitter once again on the bench. There you go. I just—they're a joke. They're run like a joke. They're managed like a joke. They're a joke. Mark, I was off last week, and the two things I know I was trying to do a media blackout, but the two things I knew were that we got flooded in the South Hills, and that Rodriguez was playing, and he absolutely stinks. Uh, real quick, Bob, of the three guys the Penguins are rumored to be sniffing around, 
and they would cost markedly different prices each to bring in. What would you most like to see them do? Trade for Skinner, sign Jack Johnson as a free agent, sign Chris Kunitz as a free agent. Probably Jack Johnson. I know he had a terrible year last year, Mark, but defensemen have come here and they've resurrected their careers. Things work here. Um, you know he's That's because ver- of the work of uh, pitching coach Ray Searich. <laughs> well, you know that him and Sid are great friends, and maybe there is something to that. Um, and maybe that's something to be careful about, too. Right. And that's coming off of the conversation we just had about right. you know, Sean Rodriguez coming here. But again, like I said, defensemen come back here. And, you know, they seem to have a second career here. Things work out for them. It couldn't get any worse than it did last year, even though he may be a bit expensive. I'm not sure if Kunitz comes back and, and does what he can do at his age. And Well, do you get my point about him being Sid's whoopee? And you don't want Sid to have the whoopee? You don't want him to want Kunitz on his line? Because Kunitz is just too old, not good enough to do that, certainly. Absolutely understand that. I don't know if Mike Sullivan, though, would be that coach to allow that to happen. I would think he would keep him solidly on the fourth line at this stage. Maybe not know. two years ago, but I don't now. Know. I, don't know. I don't know about that. You're probably right, but I don't know about that. Uh, and with Skinner Jack- too expensive, I think, don't you? Yeah, probably. You'd have to give up too much to get him. Yeah, plus he's 5-plus. So, um, Unless you're, they're just looking to get rid of him. I mean, you know, uh, we'll see because he... It looks like they want to have the have uh, they want to sweep clean with the new broom in Carolina, so we'll see if he moves what he brings back in return, whether it's to Pittsburgh or not. With Jack Johnson, one last thing, I wouldn't pay him a dime over three mil, and I wouldn't put him any higher in a depth chart than top pair. No, I agree with you. One thing, let me qualify with Chris Kunitz. So if they get him for the right price, I wouldn't mind seeing him come back. I still think that there's something left in that tank, but see, I'd rather uh, see them keep Kuhnhockle. Kuhnhockle's a better penalty killer. Oh, no, that's okay. If that's part of the equation, no, then no, if, they, was... if, they, if they bring Kunitz in, Kuhnhockel's gone. You just don't need both those guys. Okay, I would rather have Kuhnhockel. There you go. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by 84 Lumber. In just 30 seconds, we're going to talk about some of the stupid crap we see on the back of players' uniforms. And now this Jamoke in Kansas City, who's, who's an MD, uh, 30 seconds away. You'll think it's stupid, too. 105.9.